1: Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Nyson. This is the Ithulia Bass Country Stage 4 recap. We're two thirds the way through this wonderful world tour level stage race. I love it. I love the scenery. I love the climbs. I love everything about it. Uh, Here with Benji back again. I've cooled down after my rant yesterday. Benji told me I have to calm down. It's not good for me. I disagree, but I've got to do what he says. This show is brought to you, like all our shows, by our year-long show partner, LaCole. They make the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast possible. They've supported it pretty much since its inception, to be honest, and they've been listening since day one, so they're fans as well. If you want to check them out, they produce performance cycling apparel. Their link is in the description. Today's stage, the profile, I'll go through first. 190Ks, a little bit of a long one from Vittoria Gastas to Onda Arribia. No mountaintop finish. We don't really have long 30-minute climb mountaintop finishes in the Basque Country, but still interesting racing. Rolling climbs, a lot of climbing. Two main climbs are the Hayiska 8Ks at 5.5%, which is, I mean, nothing too nasty in the Hayiska to be honest. Large group would still be there afterwards. The main one Crests with 23Ks to go. a False crest, as I said yesterday. Then up and down downhill with plenty of places to attack. The main climb is the earlier elites climb. 4Ks at 10.5% with pretty much steep the whole way. Some 500 meter sections of 13%. Start at 11%. It's nasty. And then they have, as I said, 23 k to the finish and maybe an 8K flat run into the line. So there would be attacks... We knew that the GC standings before the stage started, Roglic leading GC, Pagacha second, 20 seconds behind, his teammate on UA team Emirates, McNulty the Young American on 30 seconds in third, Yates on 39, Valverde on 50. So UA got the one 2 Vingegaard for Jumbo Visma was at 54 in sixth. That's the GC standings. Benji, this sort of stage... Do we see stages like this designed in the Tour de France or we see it in the Giro and the Vuelta, but do you think there's an opportunity to have stages like this in the Tour de France or do we already have them in Stage 9 last year?
0: Yeah, I think that's a perfect example. Paul Stage 9 last year, was the one. I think they should be a bit more in these types of Grand Tours because they make for some interesting tactical decisions from teams and we'll see that throughout the day today as well. And uh, we're going to dive right into them in a second here. But I really like these types of parkourers because it also reminds me of a Giro, I can't remember which one. Either the one that Dumoulin won or the year after, where Dumoulin was in the second group after a climb. And he had to pace back on the flat section afterwards and something like that. And that makes for, for interesting race dynamics and decisions by teams that have multiple riders in those In those groups so uh yeah i was hoping a lot but also the fact that that the ice cabel climb i think that's the one from san sebastian right i kind of remember it vaguely
1: i believe so the name is very familiar to me but i have memory problems the stage (laughs) played out with a not a particularly strong break. It eventually kept getting whittled down on the climbs. The two remnants of the break were Ben O'Connor. You'll remember from the Giro stage win for NTT last year on a one year deal at Azure Deserves Citroën. Now he's in the break with Trek Rider uh, Lopez. Juan Pedro Lopez, maybe small diminutive Trek Rider, good descender. Dropped O'Connor on a few descents, particularly the one off the high Iskabel. Dropped him, nearly caused O'Connor to crash, like Sivakov did behind Ala Philippe last year. And they were getting reeled in by a lot of teams working again. Yumbo weren't working. They didn't really need to. No one had threatened the break. Makes perfect sense. Bike exchange were working uh, for Chavez. Who else is working? UAE, actually. The main, the main drive into the breakaway that brought it back very quickly on the base of that last climb, Lopez just got to the early slopes before he got caught, was UAE. They sidled up to the front with a pretty strong show. He or she on the front. They had McNulty in the blue jersey and then Pagatran, that red jersey, uh, a little bit behind him. They start the climb. Pagatran, McNulty, they played it perfectly, UAE Team Emirates, but we'll get to that in a second. But, yeah, they were pacing with Hershey or someone else, and then they pulled off Landa in the drops, attacking very, very early, like <laughs> probably too early. Sorry, <laughs> Gara and Victorious have been doing a lot of work. They've been doing a lot of work to, on this stage. He attacks Chavez. Tax trying to bridge across to him. Ambo Visbra and the other GC contenders, they're so far back on GC. Chavez is like at two minutes, not too fast, letting them go, letting them hang, and it was actually Brandon McNulty. Did you think he had it in him, Benji, to attack on a climb like this, ride past Chavez, go on the front with Lander, pretty much be dropping Lander off the wheel on supposedly his terrain, and putting Jumbo under a lot of pressure?
0: At the start of the week, definitely not. I think uh, that changed a little bit after stage three, where he got uh, dropped and lost only 18 seconds on a similar uh, finish to these climbs. And this is obviously not the last climb, so it does offer an opportunity for someone like that to attack while not everybody in the group behind is going to start chasing him. And when it comes to McNulty, I think that he's proving once more that He's getting better at climbing, and I didn't anticipate that from his previous performances before the Zitsulia Basque Country started because his climbing was good, but it was not on a level where he could compete with the big guns. It's still not on a level where he can compete with the big guns, but it's good enough so that he can anticipate moves by the big guns. And that's kind of what he did today, but not necessarily to anticipate, but more to put pressure onto the uh, on the umbo people. and when it comes to Jumbo in that second group, I think we had Tolhook hanging on quite a bit, but eventually he dropped and it left the two that you expected the entire week already um, in that group. And that was Vingegaard still, and also, obviously, Roglic as well. So that duo seems to be uh, the strongest two riders in that team. Omen not too good this week so far, and I'm not sure if that's, yeah, if that's it's probably an issue, that's for sure. But uh, I that didn't is. see that coming. Um, I did and eventually what you um, thought McEl- he'd be pacing on these climbs I-, I thought Ullman was going to do more than he has done this week already because I haven't seen him no. too much to be honest some Ullman like he's not a terrible rider
1: I know I know but this is this is steep terrain this is his terrain Roglic Pegacha, and Co and now McNulty is there playing the GC 1-2 card that we thought Jumbo Visma might have played with Vinguga and Roglic reverse UNO card, UAE sending McNulty up the road, putting a lot of pressure on the on Jumbo Visma, and they responded to it. Vingegaard chased down McNulty. They catches him just before the crest of the climb, incredibly strong pull from the Vingegaard, closed it down, eliminated that problem for Roglic temporarily. And because you, you realise McNulty's so close on GC because of the TT, and he's looking so good on a climb like this with no... 30 minute plus mountaintop finish. Uh, you can't be letting him go too far up the road. Well, they reached the crest, as I said, 20k's plus into the finish. Up and down descent, lots of places to attack, and lots of riders interested in attacking. Bilbao, Buchman, Izaguirre, all far behind on GC. Knox, Van Seven in the group as well, although I think they were just coming back. Um, Carthy was dropping, he made his way back, but it was another attack on the descent by McNulty, and Vingegaard let it go. Or actually, that's not true. I take that back. McNulty attacked on the descent. Other riders started to follow. Bilbao, Chavez, uh, Izaguide, Borkman. And Vingegaard lashed onto the back of them. Roglic doesn't join that group. Vingegaard sits on the back of that group on this descent. And I'm thinking, isn't... Vingegaard in the wrong group, isn't he supposed to be pulling on the Roglish group? Because there's no use just sitting there. The other riders are going to work with him. Were you surprised straight away that Vingegaard got into that group, Benji? Would you think other teams would have did done that? Do you think that was part of a master plan or something?
0: I think that usually when someone like a McNulty attacks, it's usual that you latch on to the wheel. But I think he hoped that people behind him would also be on his wheel. So that the group sticks together and that yeah. they have McNulty caught in this situation, nobody latched on to Finger God's wheel, which means that he was on the wheel of McNulty without the entire group behind him. And Roglic was not close enough to the front of the group to close that down to Finger God immediately, because like usually you have like once this happens that the leader of the team is directly onto the wheel to make sure he doesn't have to close a gap onto Finger God's wheel. But Roglic was just not in position to do something like that, and uh, well, they're in a situation where. Roglic and Pogaccio are in the second group. Magnolti and Vingegaard are in the first group. And then the tactics are coming into play because you're thinking it through. Vingegaard is behind Magnulty and GC. If this group stays away and has a significant gap, Magnulty is taking over the leader's jersey. And if this group doesn't stay away, then it is probably a better situation for Vingegaard and Jumbo because then Roglic can stay in the yellow jersey. or do you think that they would have had in mind oh, we, we're going to let them go, we're going to have God in the wheel, we're going to hope for the love of God that EF is going to start pacing in this group, otherwise this strategy will completely fail and we're going to hope that McNulty takes the leader jersey with like 5 seconds to 10 seconds to make sure that on Saturday once the road gets really, really tough that UAE has to pace all day which I don't agree with, but some people posted that, and I was like, I don't see that as a strategy I because mean, you can't trust on EF to do that.
1: I want to deep dive on their tactics in a second. I think it'll make more sense if I recap what happens for the rest of the stage. Carthy starts pacing in that group. He's been dropped because he's got Higita in the group for the stage when they've missed out. They've got the stage win going up the road. Higita's caught back on. They're both kind of tired. Carthy pacing, pacing, pacing. Robert's just sitting there, Pagacha happy as Larry, seeing McNulty getting time on GC. Toluk joins the group. He doesn't pace. Still Karthi pacing. He gets incredibly frustrated. He's been on the radio saying what's going on. The Gap's gone out to 30 seconds at this point on this descent. The group in front is working extremely well. Izaguirre wants the stage win. Bill Bau wants the stage win. Bookman Chavez, half GC, half stage. They worked flawlessly together, that group. McNulty obviously going 100%. For GC and Wingergod sitting on the back, not disrupting. So you've got two, three, four, five riders working full together the entirety of the time, pretty much until the last kilometer or 1500 meters. Carthy pulls off. Yumbo Visma don't pull despite having multiple riders in the group. And the gap out to 30 35 seconds on this descent. We've got mm, 12 14 Ks left. Valverde's is attacking on the descent. He gets brought back. Knox or Van Sevenant attacks. Few attacks because no one's trying to control. Eventually, they get into the valley, off the de- descent proper. The gap is out to 50, 52 seconds. I tried to time it through one of the roundabouts. And McDulty's in the virtual leader's jersey at this point by over 20 seconds. Still, Jumbo Visma haven't put anyone on the front. they got Tollhook there and maybe Uman. Definitely Tollhook. Roglic is sitting up, stretching, looking at other people to pace. Pagacha, uh tried to attack him and on one of the descents just because he saw him out of position. And eventually, Ineos and Carapaz caught back up and started pacing that group. And they eventually ate in 8 or 10 seconds, but the break was going to win. Izaguirre, Bilbao, Winger God, Buchmann, Chavez, McNulty. McNulty's riding like 33 40% for the group because he's going for GC so much. Eventually, Buchmann attacks, not backing himself for the the sprint. Totally get it. McNulty brings him back. Looks incredibly strong. And I noticed Winklgaard was kind of at the back and not moving up so easily of this group. And he's, on paper, definitely one of the punches out of these these guys. Uh, They're kind of GC guys, apart from maybe Izaguirre. Eventually, Chavez counters. No one looks because McNulty doesn't want to close him down. He's just closed down Buchmann. Buchman works again. And then I can't remember, I think McNulty then just did start sprinting yeah. to maintain the gap on GC, rides it to the line, Izaguirre and Bilbao on his wheel. They come out of uh, McNulty's wheel, we guess, in the last 250 metres. The uh, camera changed back to group, <laughs> group two or three, which was delightful from the production. And uh, we saw a, <laughs> a photo finish. It just came back to a photo finish between Izaguirre and Bilbao and Izaguirre just won second win for Astana in a matter of two or three days. They must be very excited. Eddiville bow second. Good work from him today. And Bahrain victorious, too. McNulty, third, taking the four bonus seconds. Wingergaard, fourth. Buchman fifth. Chavez, sixth on two seconds. And then the group behind, I think we're all credited with larger at the same time with uh, Knox, Valverde, Roglish, Pagacha, Carapaz, Toluk, et cetera. And Benji, whatever the plan was, which we're going to get to in a second, How do you explain Wiengegaard not even coming top three, taking the bonus seconds after sitting on for 20Ks, 15Ks?
0: I think it's a combination of uh, multiple things. I think that yesterday we saw already that Roglic wasn't really aware of the last kilometer as well as Pogacar was. He even confirmed that, if I recall correctly, afterwards. And today, another Jumbo riders in the front group, they're going to a a pretty technical few corners in the last kilometer. And Wiengegaard didn't anticipate those corners. He's at the back which makes him in fifth position going into the sprint. And if you're in that position going into the last 150 meters, then it's going to be impossible to win. But also, I don't think he had it in him today. I think that he rode amazing all day, but towards the end, it probably was done for him. He uh, he can be proud of himself, though. What a ride.
1: Yeah, I mean, Wiengegaard, he closed it down on the climb, looked really good there. McNulty... Incredibly strong. And this is where we'll get into the question you asked me, Benji. McNulty now goes into the leaders' jersey 23 seconds ahead of Roglic. Wingergaard is third. Bilbao's actually fourth. <laughs> Wingergaard's third on 28. Bill Bow's fourth on 36. Pagacha fifth on 43 seconds. The distance between Pagacha and Roglic of 20 has not changed. All that's happened now is McNulty has leapfrogged Roglic and Vingegaard is leapfrogged Pegacha. That's pretty much the main movement of note, as well as Bilbao being in there. So I'm going to play devil's advocate and try and defend Jumbo Bisma for a little bit. we got maybe a sprinty day tomorrow. Stage six, the last stage. Apparently said had the leaders' jersey, didn't work out well. Maybe they don't want the leaders' jersey. They want to give it up so they can be aggressive with Jonas and Roglic. On stage six, Roglic did well on this finish in the Vuelta last year and they didn't want to ride full at the end of this stage. They also knew that they probably weren't bringing back the uh, the Izgita group with McNulty, even if they did have Vingelgard pacing in the Roglic group because he was tired after the climb. That's all fine, but it makes no sense that you have Tolhook in the group sitting up when the gap is at 52 seconds. There is no need to be giving McNulty free seconds. It's only when Ineos came from behind and were like, what the fuck, and started pacing with (laughs) Catapaz, chasing it down, that Toluk and Jumbo Visma eventually started to pace. And also pace, Roglic can pace as well. I mean, Pagacar, is he going to attack him on the flat section there? I doubt it. So, That's what makes no sense. And it's a lot of the times they'll sometimes say they have a strategy and then you work through it three quarters of it makes sense and then the last quarter makes no sense. You're like, hang on, if that's the plan, then don't you want to give McNulty 25, 30? And you still want to limit limit that gap. So, but yeah, do you have harsher words, Benji? Do you think I'm giving them too much credit or? Yeah, I think you uh, are. I think
0: you're giving them too much credit because – the entire situation from the point that Vingegaard was in the first group, the gap started going out, and it was Carfi that took over in the group. For Higita started pacing for Evadikation first. If Carfi did not take over to get there, then the gap would have been more than fifty-two seconds. Would have been like one thirty or something. And then yeah. what are you gonna do? McNulty's in the lead with a minute. Then I don't think he's gonna lose a minute in the next three days. So yeah. I think um, the entire in hindsight, thought of oh, they did it to put Roglic not in the lead of jersey for the next couple of days. I don't believe because, well, if that was the case, then their strategy totally, totally laid upon every other team doing the work in the chasing. And if you have a strategy, you can't base that off what you think other teams are going to do, completely because then you're not well, going especially to get when there.
1: Landers got Bill up up there. Astana got Izagir up there or got Bookman up there. It's not like you got just McNulty and the other teams are going to work with, you know, Valverde, no one worked with him. That's why he attacked trying to bridge it and solo bridging 45, 50 seconds at the end of a stage like that, not going to do it. So my actual view is UA absolutely played Jumbo Visma and it's a great, great outcome. For UAE, they improve McNulty. They put the onus on Roglic now to be aggressive. Let's talk about well first tomorrow stage. Tomorrow stage is one of the one for the sprinters theory, theoretically. <laughs> it's uh, if you can call it. That. I mean, Daryl Limpy looks pretty good today, uh, but tomorrow stage is a little bit easier than today. Trying to trying to rig it up, Benji. My internet's failing me here. All right, we got it up. <laughs> the profile. If you can bear with me. Oh. <laughs> Here we go. All right. Ondaribia to Ondaroa. 158 Ks, two climbs, 2.6 Ks at 6.5% and 5 Ks at 4.7%. Crest, mm, 28 Ks from the finish. So few rollers into the finish, like 600 metres at 7%, 500 metres at 4.5%. Impy, Magnus Court type operators for tomorrow one would think, if not a breakaway. Depends on whether ISU want to pace. They seem to have the appetite for it. But Stage 6 is the one that everyone's been talking about that's saying that, you know, Yumbo Vismith is all part of some master plan to have UAE have to defend on an undefendable Stage 6 yeah. because, you know, Roglic is wearing the leader's jersey in Paris in East Stage 8 and going into Planche de Belphie TT. So wearing the leader's jersey and having a time advantage, it's actually it's not an advantage Apparently, that's what people are telling me. There's 111 Ks, hard stage. We've got 5 Ks at 7%, 10 Ks at 5.6%. In the middle of the stage, with 50 Ks to go, maybe 40, yeah, about 45 Ks to go, they've got a 5 K climb at 9.5%, short valley of about 15 Ks, then a nasty climb with some steep sections of 3.3 Ks at 7%, and then the final climb to Arate. 4.6k is at 8.7%. Then a little ridge line, then the short descent into the finish. I think it's the same one that Roglic won in Vuelta Stage One. That stage, Benji, do you even think that's hard enough to definitely put 25 seconds into Magnaldi if you're Roglic? I think that there is definitely an
0: option to do so. I don't think it's not possible. I don't think it's going to be easy. I um, I think he's going to have to go pretty offensive or he's going to have to depend on a sneaky move the same way that UAE did today with McNulty, but with Vingegaard for Jumbo. But obviously UAE is going to respond to that. And like when talking about controlling the stage, we often hear that term controlling the stage. The leader is going to control the stage. His team is going to control the stage, but you got to keep in mind that it is not that easy to call that a strategy from far out because when it comes to this stage, it starts off with a, with a bit of a climb, this stage six, which means that it's likely going to be a a stage where a lot of people try to go in the breakaway because that's what those climbs at the start of the stage offer. It means that UAE will need to be at the front of the group to see, oh, who can get in the breakaway, but so will Yumbo as well, you know, because what are they going to do? Just sit up if if somebody uh, crazy goes off that is not UAE? But on paper, UAE is going to control the start of the stage see who goes into the breakaway, check whether they need to change that at the start or not. And I think when it comes to the uh, stage being 111 kilometers to go, it is going to offer Yumbo a bit of peace. But the problem with that is, who is it going to offer peace to on Jumbo? Hofstad is not going to get over two or three climbs here. I don't see... Is it Fingston also in the team? I don't think he's going to get yes. over every climb. Sam Ullman hasn't been showing himself too much the last couple of days, so I don't believe that he's going to be moving the biggest of needles on this stage six. A tall hook, it's probably going to save him a tiny bit, but he wouldn't be doing the pacing anyway if Yumbo had to control the stage. So it's not like he would have been in a less relaxed position than he will probably be this time around. And the same goes for Vingegaard. So I think that people are putting too much on this being a strategy to have the jumbo team pressure lessened and i think that's not really the case here you will have to control a bit more at the start of the stage but yeah it's not like it's going to uh, be making too much of a difference i think i think that we've seen so far in this entire thing that both teams have relatively decent surroundings but if it comes down to the end of a stage it's always two versus two on both teams, and that is Guard and Roglic versus McNulty and Pogacar. And in the end of Stage 6, it's likely go- going to be the same. And it's going to be interesting how they play it out, though, because now guard can try and do some attacks. Roglic will need to attack if he wants to make the move and do it for himself. Mcnulty is now ahead, so I'm guessing that Pogachar won't be doing the attacks, because otherwise he's going to put pressure on McNulty. And Pogachar will just have to sit up on Roglic's wheel, Hope that Roglic doesn't gain 25 seconds. And if the gap come, becomes too much, like 30 seconds or something, then he's going to start attacking Roglic, I think. So it's going to be somewhat of a play like that, I think, because otherwise you're going to have a situation where Pogacar drops his own teammate if he if he starts playing offensively on that sixth stage. So yeah, Jumbo's move. And if Jumbo can drop McNulty, then Pogacar will have to decide when to attack at the right moment. And yeah, that's going to be a very curious thing to watch, I think.
1: So, Yumbo dropped McNulty. What are they going to do? Pace with who? For 30Ks, 40Ks. Like, it makes no yeah. sense to have given him that much time. Um, but right. if you're six seconds ahead, yeah. then you're like, oh, well, Roglic yeah. might take bonus seconds tomorrow. Roglic probably come top three tomorrow, to be honest. Like, the sprinting field is so shallow here, and there's more there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe, but like Robles well, we probably be up there top three in the stage normally on stage six, but it's even 23 seconds, putting a lot more pressure on yourself than uh, being in the leader's jersey and having yeah. to respond. And it, yeah.
0: It would have been much more as well if the other teams weren't there basing in that second group. Like EF started basing, that, that changed a lot. I think that is going to receive a bouquet of flowers by Ayambo tonight because otherwise the gap would have been so much more. Well, Carthy eventually and was like, uh, "Why am I doing this?" He was on the radio. Like, what, what am I doing? <laughs> Higita GC man, he's like super close now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's it's kind of funny because like Higita's nowhere near in GC, so I've got no clue.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, let us know in the comments if you're watching on YouTube and don't say 2020 hindsight. Benji tweeted about this. I was in Discord all about this. We were like, what are they doing? And I just want to remind everybody, if Chris Froome 2015 Chris Froome's on a in the leader's jersey of the Tour de France, leading by 23 seconds or even a one week stage race. He's got Grand Thomas on his team, say, or oh, 5th on GC. You think he lets Thomas go into the group group 1 and not pace for him behind? in the last 15 k's and they just sit up no don't i can't imagine it now if someone can show me a race where that's happened i'll apologize to the umbo visma directly with a handwritten letter but until that happens benji and i are a bit clueless about what happened uh today maybe they're just trying things for the tour but i think it's better to try things that make sense than things that don't make sense personally uh other than that any other Mignolty, Benji? I guess we've already been saying it for this week, so we don't need to say anything for too long. But as I said, twenty sub twenty minute climbs. The watts per kilo and the TT performances show that he should have been doing better on these climbs, and he's showing that this week. Really showing out the uh, UAE being that second threat, and uh, I think he's got to go to the tour. Mm,
0: I believe he should as well, but it's. Looks like it's not happening. I don't think they can really. Can they change it now? Is, is it too close to, to the Jiro to mix up programs? Because <laughs> I just would just drop Hershey <laughs> to to the Velta.
1: <laughs> oh, he should be fine for the tour as well. He yeah, was probably, fine but
0: like still, uh, I want. They consider Micah. Yeah, certainly. And the thing <laughs> is, like, not even that. We were expecting that Trenton would also be in the Tour de France team with his transfer and so forth, but he's also not looking to go to the Giro nor the Tour. He's uh, destined oh, really? for the Vuelta, apparently, which which is right. just so... like UAE is in a luxury position when it comes to riders, but they're also in, in a position where the two transfers that they made at the end of last season might not even be that useful.
1: <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. I don't know. It's a bit early to talk about the tour. We'll save that for a later time. We hope you enjoyed this recap of the Basque Country Stage 4. Very exciting race. Tomorrow, not expecting any GC action. Breakaway for Shelling, like Benji said, or uh, Honoré, or even Honoré from a sprint from a group with Magnus Court, Roglic, and and, uh, Impey. That's all from us. We'll see you tomorrow. Ciao.